I believe it's my responsibility to work myself out of a job as soon as it's practical. And they're usually kind of surprised by that because they're used to consultants like me wanting to be around forever. I see my job is to help that team develop the relationships, processes, and practices that are going to help keep them working effectively without ongoing help from plea consultants like me. Welcome to Transformative Leadership Conversations. This special season is a team development masterclass, and my co-host is Peter Axelson, who is a 35-year team development expert whose methodology we're showcasing. This masterclass will help team leaders and members gain insights, tactics, and tools for building effective teams. And at the end of every episode, we offer an exercise that you can use with your own team. To access all these and more, download the podcast companion directly from the show notes or from my website at www.winniedasilva.com by clicking on the podcast tab. Now we've arrived at the final building block in Peter's methodology, establishing continuous improvement mechanisms to maintain an effective team. And I think this might be one of my favorite building blocks, although it's not usually intuitive for teams to focus on how to continuously improve. I would say that most teams want to continuously improve. And that's why I love this building block. It offers very practical ways on how a team can do just that. So Peter, you have actually a really interesting and great analogy for establishing continuous improvement mechanisms on a team. Could you share this? I think it'll really help our listeners understand the purpose and really the value of this building block. Yeah, sure. I spent a bunch of time in my career working with leadership teams in manufacturing environments. So cement plants, wallboard plants, steel mills, paper mills, that kind of thing. And in these plants, many of the machines have sensors to detect problems around Mm -hmm. vibration, wear, temperature, chemistry, these kinds of things. These are intended to help identify problems while they're small so that the corrective action can be taken before the problems become big. So there's this monitoring and early detection mindset baked into all of their processes. And this is the way they keep their plants running and keep the machines operational. So leadership teams can benefit from a similar mindset. We believe the only way to maintain and increase team effectiveness over time is to install mechanisms like this to continually assess how things are working. Teams that do this tend to become more and more effective over time. And teams that don't put these mechanisms in place, they don't simply remain at a certain level of effectiveness. They actually go backwards over time and become less effective. So this is kind of a big deal. The issue here is time is a really common barrier right? Mm-hmm. It's a very precious commodity. And so it's very common when we're talking about these things that people say, don't see the need, you know, things are good enough. They don't necessarily believe that the ROI is there to mm-hmm. build these processes and then to use them. Our view is that if you're serious about building a really effective team, this is something that you have to do, period. When I start working with a new client, we talk about this, but I tell them that I believe it's my responsibility to work myself out of a job as soon as it's practical. And they're usually kind of surprised by that because they're used to consultants like me wanting to be around forever. I see my job is to help that team develop the relationships, processes, and practices that are going to help keep them working effectively without ongoing help from plea consultants like me. These robust continuous improvement mechanisms are key to making this a reality. Yeah, we really believe that there are three important continuous improvement mechanisms or processes. So we'll talk about each one. So the first one is an ongoing exchange of honest feedback between people who must collaborate together. So this is that monitoring and early detection process 
for interpersonal relationships. And back in episode three, we talked about how critical sound interpersonal relationships are key to team effectiveness. So this practice of regular feedback is intended to keep those kinds of relationships working well as things continue to change in the workplace. So the higher the level of interdependence in the work, the more important it is. And here's what we think good looks like. Let's say Peter and I, you know, that we depend on each other to do our jobs really well. I'm not going to wait for Peter to come to me with any of his concerns. He might not feel comfortable approaching me in some cases. But instead, I'm going to go to Peter on a regular basis and ask him for his honest feedback about the quality of my collaboration with him. And I'm going to encourage him to be really honest with me and make sure it's safe for him to be honest with me. So we've got a couple of favorite questions that we like to ask. What am I doing that you find helpful, that you appreciate, that you'd like me to continue and why? And what am I doing that's not working for you? Or what am I doing that's driving you nuts, right? (laughs) Right? That you'd like for me to do differently in the future and why? We believe that asking the people with whom we collaborate regularly for their honest feedback is probably the most important habit to develop regardless of role, level, company, anything. Such a critical habit. What's interesting is to see how people react when you go to them with those kinds of questions. Typically, a couple of different reactions. At first, they're a little bit surprised and maybe a little bit not sure like what to say, how honest can I be, if I'm really honest with Winnie, is there going to be blowback, this kind of a thing. But I think pretty quickly, that initial apprehension oftentimes shifts quite quickly to appreciation for the opportunity to have this kind of conversation. Yeah, because I think generally people always say they want feedback. (laughs) Yeah, right. How they get it and when they get it and are there good skills involved in terms of exchanging feedback? That's kind of another question. But I think generally people, in theory, want to hear it. In working with the team on feedback skills, we ask this question. If you were able to establish a flow of timely and really honest feedback, between people on your team who collaborate regularly, what would be the benefits? So we pose that question to get them thinking for themselves, right? What would be the benefits for this team? And a few common responses we usually get. So people say problems would get solved faster. People would get better at their jobs. Processes would improve. Of course, trust would increase. Conflicts usually could be avoided or reduced by that feedback. People would better understand each other. Collaboration would certainly be better and easier. Good role modeling for others will tend to happen so the practice could spread. And people, of course, could get more comfortable with feedback over time. So the list kind of goes on. And this is kind of an eye-opener for people to realize this, that the benefits really are big. And of course, this ends up begging the question, how could we afford not to get good at this? When that list goes up, interesting reaction, people say, hmm, (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. We're not doing this. And that's right. So regular and honest feedback conversation between collaborators is really key to keeping interpersonal relationships working well. Mm -hmm. So one of the things to think about here is if these conversations are not happening and interpersonal relationships are not being kept up, it's really common for the interpersonal stuff to spill over into um, what's going on in the team into broader conversations about how the team is functioning. And that's not the place for this. Personal issues should be dealt with by the individuals involved. Team issues should be dealt with by the team collectively. And it's really important to keep these things separate. Yeah. That's key. We work with lots of leaders and teams on lots of different topics, but our work on feedback tends to be not only our favorite, but one 
it has, I think, a lasting impact for clients. We oftentimes hear from people years after we've worked with them, and they tell us stories about how their habits have changed and specifically how the habit of asking other people for feedback um, has had a profound impact. So those kinds of emails make my day. Yeah, for sure. It's really encouraging. Peter, I actually kind of want to go back to something that you just said a minute ago, that interpersonal issues should be dealt with by the individuals and team issues should be dealt with by the team collectively. And I think most team leaders and team members would absolutely agree with that. Because as you say, issues that pop up with individuals on the team, they're going to spill over into the team. And so what we're offering here is that early detection tool to prevent this very thing from happening. So I think this is a really important point and perhaps a real selling point if there really needed to be one for leaders to encourage their people to have these regular feedback conversations with the people they collaborate with, because otherwise those problem relationships and issues, they're going to spill over into the team. Yeah, that's a great expectation for leaders to set with the folks that work with them. Keep your relationships working well. It's your job. The second important process is regular evaluation of team meetings. Mm -hmm. So particularly in that period where the team is experimenting with new ways of doing things. And so this is the monitoring and early detection process for team meetings. Given how much time people spend in meetings, you would think that more effort would go into making them effective, but that's actually <laughs> not what we see at all. What we see a lot is we don't have time for that, which mm -hmm. boggles me. I think it's kind of ridiculous, right? Mm -hmm. So evaluating your meetings, it is not complicated. It need not take a lot of time. And there are many ways in which you can do this. So here are three. It could be a simple 10-minute plus Delta conversation at the end of a meeting, whether that's in person or virtual, right? Yep. Plus is what worked. Delta is what we want to change for the next one. Really tight. I've seen uh, client teams that use a Trello board as a place mm -hmm. to collect feedback on meetings. So on the Trello board, specific questions are posed to the people and they can respond there, right? So we're mm -hmm. not taking up meeting time to doing this. Similar approach, I've seen people use a Slack channel for evaluating team meetings. And so they're, again, posing specific questions there for people to respond to. So really what we're looking at here, again, this is really simple. We want to know what's working well that we should continue and what's not working well that we should change. Simple yeah. questions. If you can get people to provide their honest input, your meetings are going to get better and better and better and better. Yep. And what's really useful about using this approach that, Peter, you've just described is that the leader and or the meeting facilitator can then use this input to propose process tweaks to the team. Also, if a team is making big changes to their meetings, it's important to do this at the end of every meeting for a while so that you can work out those kinks. Right. Once the team is comfortable with the changes, then it makes sense to decrease the frequency of those evaluations. So these conversations should also include an opportunity for the meeting facilitator to ask for and collect feedback on their role in the meeting. So a couple of questions you could use for that is, what did I do today that you appreciated most? What would you suggest that I do differently next time? Again, tight, short, quick, but they get some feedback. Because facilitating meetings, let's be honest, is a hard and usually a thankless job. And the team, they have an obligation to help anyone who's facilitating to figure out how to help them be successful in that kind of role. Yeah. The trick here is to get everybody on the team to support the process that you're going to establish. So one of my clients, they set up a Slack channel to collect feedback about the team meetings. This was a kind of a big globally dispersed team, new processes. They wanted to make sure they got this right. They established the Slack channel and I talked to Sam about what kind of feedback they were getting on the meeting. And she said, people aren't responding. So establish a process 
the, you know, the facilitator put herself out there, opened herself up for feedback and uh, she wasn't getting any. So facilitating, it's a hard job. It's a thankless mm-hmm. job. If the facilitator is asking you for feedback, don't be a jerk and ignore the question. <laughs> so help that person out. That's right. So, so far, we've talked about two of the three tools for creating continuous improvement mechanisms. The first is ensuring that people who must collaborate with each other are exchanging honest feedback. And then the second one is ensuring that teams regularly evaluate their meetings. Okay. So, so far, we've talked about two of the three tools for creating continuous improvement mechanisms. The first is ensuring that people who must collaborate with each other are exchanging honest feedback. The second is ensuring that the teams are regularly evaluating their meetings. So, two good steps. The third tool is conducting team effectiveness checkpoints. So this is usually kind of twice a year, more or less. Some teams do it once a year. Some teams do it twice a year. That's usually the norm. That's a pause and reflect exercise. It's intended to be comprehensive or a broad look at how the team is operating. And so this is the monitoring and early detection process for the overall effectiveness of the team. Mm -hmm. So if people have been deliberate about asking each other for feedback, that should keep the interpersonal relationships working well. And so that topic should not require much attention now. And if the team has had reasonably disciplined with meeting evaluations, that should take care of that aspect of the life of the team. And so that topic should not require much attention now. And in this case, then the checkpoint can look at everything else. That's really what we're trying to get at here. So Winnie, would you just talk about how this works? Yeah, of course. And for those of you who listened to episode two, when we talked about how to measure team effectiveness, this is going to sound familiar to you because we walk through these in a good amount of detail during that episode. So the process will vary depending on the size of the team and the locations of the members. So a few ways to approach this include, one, conducting like a two to three hour working session with everyone in the room or over Zoom, or you could also send out a survey with names followed by one or two more virtual meetings. So regardless of how you approach it, we like to use the same metrics for team effectiveness. So on a scale of one to five, five being high, rate the team on the following dimensions. One, quality, the degree to which the team is producing high quality outcomes, decisions, plans, products, solutions, implementation, et cetera. Two, efficiency. So the degree to which the team is efficient in delivering the outputs use of time, talent, material, et cetera. Three, satisfaction. What's the degree to which team members are satisfied with the climate and dynamics within the team? And then there's learning A and B. Learning A is the degree to which individuals are learning, particularly around self-awareness and collaboration skills. And then learning B, the degree to which the team is learning and becoming more effective over time. Then what you'll want to do is specifically ask, what two to four things do you see happening that are supporting the effectiveness of the team? And then what are the two to four things that you see happening that are reducing the effectiveness of the team? Once you kind of get that evaluation, you ask those questions because it's really a time to reflect. So once you get input from all these questions and they've been reviewed and discussed by the team, the last question you want to talk about is this. What changes will we make in order to maintain and increase our effectiveness going forward. Yeah, so this process works really well. It just got these three chunks. The quantitative answers to those questions, mm-hmm. to the metrics, gives you a quantitative snapshot. Talking about the two to four things that are supporting or reducing is really the analysis. And then the third part is, now what? Right. Yeah. So it can be a simple question, simple process, big opportunity here. Yep. We're often surprised by the resistance. Time is the culprit. It's a precious commodity. 
Lots of people refer to what we're suggesting here disparagingly as navel-gazing, and they prefer to do their work. We have to be a bit pushy with this, and what we're trying to do is encourage people to experiment with this before ruling it out. Try some of these continuous improvement mechanisms, then decide about the ROI, see if it's there for them, and it usually is. We find that once people experiment and try this, they want to keep going. That's right. One of the questions we oftentimes ask of leaders is this one. What one practice, if done regularly, would increase the effectiveness of your leadership team more than anything else you could do? We hear all kinds of answers, and there's quite a range here, but our answer is this. Have very open and honest discussions in the team, pause and reflect kinds of things on how the team is functioning. It's that simple. So we think about this as the secret sauce for team effectiveness. You know, Teams that adopt a continuous improvement mindset and these kinds of practices for monitoring and early detection get better and better and better over time. So if you're serious about having a strong team, this is something that's important to pay attention to. No shortcuts. That's yeah. right. So now it's time for an exercise that you can try out with your own team. So back in episode six, we talked briefly about the epidemic of ineffective and wasteful meetings in organizations. So that's where this exercise is focused. This is a huge opportunity for most teams. So the objective of this exercise is to identify specific changes that would make your team meetings better, more efficient, more effective, better engagement, better outcomes, however you want to define it. Although meeting objectives can be conducted using tools such as Trello and Slack, we really encourage you to make this exercise a live conversation, either in person or virtually. So the outline for the exercise looks like this. What you're going to do is you're going to plan on a short meeting, about 20 minutes, to introduce your plan. And then you're going to have a longer meeting, potentially up to two hours, to dig into the assessment. So the short meeting looks something like this. First, talk with the team about what you want to do and why. And then you're going to really encourage people to be very candid in their assessment of the meetings. And then these are the questions that you want to use to help them collect their thoughts. So you pose it to them. On a scale of one to five, how would you rate the effectiveness of our meetings today? Next, specifically, what are the strengths of our meetings, the things that we should continue? Then specifically, what are the weaknesses of our meetings? What are the things that we should absolutely change? And then what are the three changes that we could do to make our meetings better. So I think it's helpful to offer a couple of dimensions around evaluating meetings that could be helpful for people to evaluate and answer those questions. Let me kind of go over those quickly. Who attends the meeting? How is the meeting planning process? What's the meeting content look like? Length and frequency of the meeting, agenda format, balance and participation, facilitation, how outcomes are captured, and meeting follow-up. So after you do all that, then you'll come back and this is what I'm going to describe next is the longer working session where you're actually going to get into the feedback and into the data. First, you're going to take the four questions in order and collect input from the team. Keep the comments visible to the team throughout the session. And most importantly, you're going to want to resist the temptation to start problem solving at this point. This is a big temptation. So watch out for that. Once all the input's been collected and displayed, discuss and decide. So what's the story that you see emerging in all of these comments? And then what's your reaction to these comments? What's your heart and your gut? How do you feel about this? And then you'll want to make some decisions. What will we change? And what will we continue? 
So if the team is large and you're concerned about the time needed to collect input in real time is going to be difficult, you could do this. So have people send their input to someone and they'll compile everyone's comments with their names. So names should stay attached. And then this document can be distributed in advance of the work session or distributed at the work session itself. And then the work session will then involve the same discussion and decisions that I just mentioned. For these types of meeting evaluations, we often hear that we don't have time for that, but our view is that you just can't afford not to do this. So give this a try and see what you learn. Remember, to access all of these exercises and more, download the podcast companion directly from the show notes or from my website at www.winniedasilva.com by clicking on the podcast tab. Peter and I would love to hear about your experience and what resonated with you during today's episode. You can do that by emailing me at winnie at winifred.org, going to my website, or reaching out to me on LinkedIn. Next up, episode 11, the final and last episode of the season, where Peter and I share what we learned during crafting the season for you and what we see as lasting principles across season four from Peter's team development methodology. And so leaders need to be sure that they're providing the right behavioral examples of what's needed to support the effectiveness of this team. And this is tricky because you're not always clear about what those things are. So I'm asking the folks around you for their feedback on a regular basis and making it safe for them to be honest with you will help you gauge whether or not you're providing the right examples. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Transformative Leadership Conversations. If you're ready to take your leadership to the next level or empower your team for success, I'm here to help. Reach out to me directly or check out my website to learn more about my work in coaching executives, developing critical leadership skills, and working with clients to build effective teams. Your feedback matters. Please consider leaving a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and sharing this episode with a friend who might benefit. Thank you for listening.